0: Hey all! Welcome back to the Rhythm Session, brought to you by the Minor Foundry. I'm your host Corbin Blair. On this episode, we're talking a little bit about the legendary DMX, who unfortunately passed away after this episode was recorded. We will be back with a long-form episode in tribute to his career. Also on this episode, we'll get into some new music from Montreal, London, and Toronto. And if you like what you hear, remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Rhythm Section. I'm joined by Sugar Ray himself, Kyle Bodanis. Kyle, how you doing?
1: Okay, so what I've been doing is I've been uh, watching a lot of Mike Tyson videos. So what this guy does is he's like super evasive. So he's really good at like, it's something called the D'Amato switch, which was D'Amato. Uh, was it, was it D'Amato? It's D'Amato. Uh Was his, was his, was his coach that uh, died, uh, you know, who kind of took him in. And he taught him to slip under the punch and then knock uh, motherfuckers out. And it was just like a really cool move, and I've been trying to do that. But since um, I am uh, not athletic, it's um, hilarious. So it's going well. Uh, Does it we're... work on a, on a heavy bag? Yeah, well, because what you're doing is you're trying to, like, just simulate the movement. Now, like Part of the advice that I've been hearing from various, like, boxer... Um, you know, boxer resources and stuff is that you got to try to treat it as if there's a punch coming back your way. So it's just a matter of, you know, practicing the slip and then the punch. And that's kind of how Tyson really knocked people out, slip the punch. And then he would like move to the side of them and then like knock them out when they couldn't hit them. So because he was at the side of them, he could punch them as hard as he possibly could because he wasn't worried about receiving a punch the other way. So he could throw a haymaker and that's how he was able to like absolutely bulldoze people.
0: I feel like you're like at the point where you're like picking a different boxer like you know weekly at this point and like studying their uh, their game plan.
1: I'm absolutely there. I fucking love it. See, I, that's why I like to do it. See, the problem is you can't get fat kids like me to work out because they're like, "Yo, why don't you go for a jog?" It's like, man, jogging is shit. It's shit. But I, you know, do something you like, and that's kind of what I'm doing. So I just listen to tunes, hit the bag, you know. Hopefully. You know, I mean, actually, going to prison would probably be good for my boxing career because I could do like some real hard time. You know, it'd be good if Yeah, I didn't.
0: Or you could maybe get into like some kind of illegal fight ring. You know, there's there's options out there for you. We can uh, we can work on some stuff.
1: I'd be worried about getting typecast as the meatloaf in the uh, the the bitch tit Bob of the uh, of the fight ring, but I I can avoid it. I think I think we're trending in the right direction.
0: Oh, well, I think you know we might get. Uh, rhythm section episode going down in uh, Tijuana um, once the vaccines hit, and uh, we'll take you down there and you know get you in the fighting, the fighting rings. There, it's all, and, it's, uh,
1: it's all about making the steady jump from boxing to knife fighting. Exactly, you you already see the vision. (laughs) I have it's. I'm not without ambition. I mean, that's what it's all about.
0: So let's get into some music talk now. We're we're back on another episode of the rhythm section. Uh, We got a lot of music to catch up on that you know dropped in the last couple weeks. I think we're gonna start off with some somber news. Uh, Let's talk about DMX. Uh, So on Friday, April 2nd, legendary New York rapper and Rough Riders leader DMX. relapsed and uh overdosed uh, sending him into a coma so uh nearly a week later he remains in the same state um we have you know various reports of uh that he's might be in a vegetative state uh we're you know hoping and praying for the best for him and he's you know definitely in our thoughts he's you know such a force to be reckoned with in music uh he's multi-platinum rapper you know, a very gifted actor. He is somebody who has been pretty open about his struggles with substance abuse for a long time and, you know, has been working through them. So this is, you know, a very harrowing thing to hear. Let's talk about, like, you know, how you got into DMX and some of your thoughts on kind of what's going on and and his legacy.
1: First off, seeing him on, you know, Versus, you know, earlier in the pandemic was really great. It was just such an awesome thing, and I think everyone loved it. And they loved that you know he was there, and you know seeing him with Snoop Dogg doing that it was really cool. And I think, you know, it kind of was a moment that relit the imagination and the you know love of what he's done. I mean, for me, Rough Riders Anthem came out when I was in like grade nine, I think. You know, that shit was playing all the time in the hallways, in the parking lot. We'd be quoting lines from it at lunch or in gym class. It's funny because I moved back to Chicago at the very end of ninth grade. And, uh, you know, I was going to Newtonbrook for a little bit um, and uh, North York represent. And I'll always associate that song with coming home because like we listen to that shit so much and pretty much all the way through high school um, in general. uh, It's dark and hell is hot was there you know and I'm thinking 2001 and the Slim Shady LP were the only albums that you even remotely heard as much like I would say that probably 2001 and It's Dark and Hell is Hot were like the albums that were most listened to and most heard whether it's at parties or fucking whatever and it's just just it's almost like losing him is like a little bit of your past kind of going away you know what I mean I think that he has such personality and I, the respect, you know, that people have for him being unabashed about his, you know, unab- about his problems and about the things he've been, he's been going through. Because a lot of people try to avoid it, a lot of people try to be phony, and one thing that DMX kind of has always been, whether it's about struggles with drugs struggles growing up even like his financial situations spending time in prison he's always been an open book about it and he's never tried to be someone he's not and i i I think that is a rare quality
0: yeah i think you know in this era because of dmx's stature in the early 2000s and late 90s and he kind of didn't try to force his way into the industry, you know, through the later part of his career, he was there, he was someone who was very revered, but I don't think he's quite, you know, gotten the respect or the or the status he, he really deserves and I think, you know, having him on Versus last year was a part of that. We kind of got to see some of the outpouring for loves uh, for him and we're seeing a lot of it now and just his influence and his chokehold on the culture. Because the ref Riders were huge and DMX like kept the lights on at Def Jam for a, a long period of time like you know doing- I think that
1: is completely underestimated that what you're just saying right there that, that people forget about that because like for a stretch um in be- first of all in between Nas and Jay-Z's Ascension there's like a power vacuum that he occupies you know yeah. what I mean like he like for a stretch in the late 90s and early 2000s he was one of the people that dictated the sound and energy and attitude of hip hop exactly and and
0: like, you know, I think when you look back at anything made in that time period, uh, like a lot of films and TV, like just all the sync, the syncs he got, like he was in, you know, prominently featured and obviously like Head of State. Uh, he was in Down to Earth. Like that song was everywhere. And, you know, the song was a big part of the of the movie. He was really a soundtrack to it, to a time period. And he just made songs that, you know, were so anthemic and so you know, wide spread and just all encompassing. And I think that, you know, can kind of be forgotten in the glitz and the glamour of, you know, his peers and contemporaries, because I, I don't think he he was such a, a raw figure and such a down to earth person himself that, you know, it wasn't a lot of like glitz and glamour and um and like sh- popping champagne with DMX. It was very much like he was just who he was and he was from Yonkers. And he kind of wore that like a badge. And I think that, you know, kind of speaks to who he is now. And, you know, we see him being interpolated by Drake and, you know, he gave us a a gospel album a few years back and he's just kind of, you know, still been around in, in culture in a major way and, you know, very open about what he's been struggling with. And to see him, you know, fall back like this is, you know, really disappointing and, just hoping for the best, like hoping for a miracle and hoping that we get some good news or, you know, there's peace for his family.
1: Yeah, and I think people overlook that Hell is Hot and Blood of My Blood were, like, big albums. Flesh, my flesh, they were huge. Yeah, like, yeah. like, like such, such big albums, and it's, you know, and also, like, for example, Mentoring Swiss Beats, like, that's another one. Yeah. Like, he's the one who, like, kind of brought him around, and, you know, and then... He, You hear him in people like JPEG Mafia, you hear him in uh, XX Tenacion, and uh, artists like Kendrick Lamar. Like, Kendrick Lamar has come out fully and been like, this guy influenced my shit, especially before I was doing Good Kid, Mad City. Like, he was in that DMX headspace, and, you know, DMX is, like, one of the people who, like, ushered him into mainstream hip-hop, and um, I think if you're having Kendrick Lamar, say, who is, I I believe, in the future going to go down as probably the best rapper from this era or at least one of at least one of the two uh if he's being if you're influencing him then you're doing something right and he will live on through his music if something happens but also like through all the people he could inspire to because again swiss beats is everywhere so if swiss beats is influenced by you then all of a sudden that your ideas start propagating at an alarming rate because he's all over the place right yeah,
0: no, exactly. And, you know, to see him, you know, facing this again. And I think that a lot of people are going to, you know, take this time and, you know, this kind of uncertain period and and really think and, and uplift DMX. So I'm glad to hear that. And I'm, you know, hoping against all odds that, you know, we get some some kind of news, but he is just like such a huge figure. And I think that anytime that you make a movie and you want to show that it is the early 2000s, like party up in here is playing, you know, you're going to hear that song forever at, you know, sports, sports arenas. He just was such a a huge figure in music and, and, and still is. And, And I, you know, just, just hope for the best, I guess. And, um, you know, but there's not, I don't think we'll see another artist of his caliber for a long time
1: no he's he's definitely one of the luminaries in our lives that uh we would be losing,
0: yeah, so just just praying for the best and uh for d m x and his family and you know on um, hopefully we'll have an update by the by the next episode next time we're with you guys so uh let's get into some new music right now uh you know we got a lot of of new stuff. Coming out in the past couple weeks did did you want to start anywhere is there any albums that you know are on our list that you wanted to talk about first or
1: yeah I think I'd like to start with i mean this the new saint Vincent I think because it was definitely one of the music from her was more of the you know one of the more anticipated things happening this year and i think give like looking at what could possibly drop this year and what has dropped already and even some of the surprises that we're talking about in here um i think it's gonna be a a pretty crazy year so i mean this album's kind of inspired by the release of her father from prison you know at the end of 2019 like what do you think we're anticipating on this album i mean that daddy's home is the name of the album yeah like I, I
0: like the two songs that i that i heard so far um i think pray your way in pain is probably my favorite it looks like you know based on what i have on apple music is that's the opening song for the album uh, i think it's a really good opening i think you know she's positioned herself uh, do we refer to her as she or do we refer to her as a band i always get confused i always like think of her as like you know one act but i think it's a she it's, it's it's
1: it's like a, it's it's a stage name you know what I mean
0: yeah so yeah um, I, I, I'm i really excited for this album I think you know we're gonna see some growth from the last couple of projects like I'd love to see her in concert again I think it's been a while for, for me um, the video also included for the melting of the sun I really like the 70s aesthetic I think I kind of get where she's you know coming from here so I'm definitely looking forward to hearing the album uh, in full in a couple
1: of weeks. I mean, she described this as a sleazy album that touches on New York in the early 70s. And, you know, the first couple singles really make good on that, especially Pay Your Way of Pain. It's got this funky, raunchy keyboard groove and she just kind of gives it on it sounds really it's really good i immediately enjoyed it she was fantastic on snl she's great every time i mean i haven't seen her actually she's one of the few i haven't seen live uh really 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 hoping that i get a chance to especially on this album which hopefully uh you know pandemic uh anytime with saint vincent i mean like you can come to expect experimentation and like subverting ideas that try to kind of peg her as this and that. And, you know, this album really sounds like a departure, like it's going to be a departure from her other work. But I love that. There's always innovation. She's always trying to uh, not get pinned down by expectations and this is her sound and this isn't. And I think she's definitely one of the more forward-thinking artists that we have in music today.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, like, you know, to get back to the sound for a second, you know, one of the people we talk on this podcast about the most, we're seeing Jack Antonoff and he is back on this album, working with St. Vincent extensively. He seems almost like inescapable at this point. Like he's all encompassing. Anytime we talk about, you know, some songstresses, he is on the albums behind the boards. Uh, So they last worked together on 2017's Mass Education. What do you think the sonic bed that he's going to pro- provide for this album will be? Well, first of
1: all, I'm intrigued at, about what that working relationship is, not because she seems especially difficult to work with, but because I'm curious as to how it contrasts his working relationship with like Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey. Like, what do you think that dynamic is? Yeah, like I, I I'm I'm wondering about that too. Like I'm wondering like
0: he's become so ubiquitous at this point Do you think he's gonna run into like a a box or you know he's gonna pigeonhole himself because of like who he's choosing to work with and like i i think he has a range and i think he's going going to you know keep delivering sounds but i would love at the end of like this album to to maybe sit down and and listen to all three albums back to back or, or four albums back to back rather and you know try to like draw lines between the two or between all, all the albums and uh and
1: see you know what his his sonic footprint is i mean we don't even try to talk about jack antonoff all the time like at this point you can't really cast doubt on him because i mean i like it's at this point it sounds like we are you know a jack antonoff stan podcast but it's really that you can't talk about popular music right now without like a direct collision course with him and I mean, he's got the inside track. He gets it. it, it it's the, he's in this case, it being how to pull listeners in, how to combine affectiousness with sheer talent, but still kind of like give people the space to, you know, interpret their own music in their own way and like what they want to do. You know, it's pop with a simple with with that simplistic substance that he adds to it, where there is emotional weight. It's not frivolous, but you know, at the same time, maintains that pop sensibility. Some people just get it. He's one of them and he's going to get even more sought after to be honest with you, because as the more he does, the more people want to work with him. And um, I don't think he's going to run into a situation where he's going to be in a box or it's going to get redundant. I think he allows the people to have their own their own space as artists and not I don't think he's controlling like I don't think him trying to control would wor- be be controlling would work well with someone like St. Vincent who's very on top of their own image and the things they want to put out into the world
0: yeah I'm also wondering like what's going to happen with Lord because I think Lord's due to kind of come back on the scene and, and you know they last worked together in
1: 2018 he's gonna get nominated for producer of the year again
0: Oh yeah, he. I think he definitely almost deserves one at this point. So I'm wondering, like, when Lord comes back, if he's going to be, you know, back with her and working on her stuff as well. I really liked what he did, you know, with Kevin Abstract's album, uh, on Arizona Baby in 2019. Yeah, it's another one.
1: Like, that's that's a different direction than those completely.
0: And I, he would, does I well would love to it. see him kind of take that on a little bit more and like kind of do these like unexpected kind of collaborations not that like everything feels very expected but he's just kind of showing up in 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 certain sonic regions and i would love for for more like you know stepping out of the box like
1: yeah i think i think you want to see that i i I obviously because to me he seems like he can plug into anything really like rick rubin is another one who can do that um he's not doesn't have antonov's pop sensibilities but whether you're talking about Neil Diamond, Tom Petty, uh Slayer, Jay-Z, you know, Rick Rubin, uh Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh Rick Rubin can plug into them and interpret what like and help be kind of a filter for their ideas. And um, you know, like a a sounding board. So some people are able to work well like that. I think Jack Jack Antonoff it's probably like again, I would not bet against him at this point. I think he if anything like you're saying should expand his horizons be a little arrogant go for it
0: yeah no I think that uh that that makes a lot of sense like if but I mean like how far do you go when when you're comfortable and when you have
1: a lane and and when you're really good at what you do like Jack Antonoff is like I mean that's the thing is like what is the end game that's kind of the thing I'm always asking is to the always to the where do where are they going or like what's the the goal question it's 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 just what is the idea of that is of that narrative is what is the end game for Jack Antonoff I don't know he just seems to be a like remorseless music producing machine that just is churning out like really good music see there's a lot of producers who produce music that comes out obviously but and there's a bunch of people who work in a pop landscape but like the music he, he puts out is genuinely good and it's ridiculous how consistent he is. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, definitely agreed. Uh, So what do you think,
0: you know, where's St. Vincent going to sit after this album? Are we going to see her tour after this? Is is this like positioning for the next run? Is this, you know, doing an album to do an album? You know, are we going to see a lot of introspection on on this with her, you know, father and the 70s kind of theme
1: work that she's laid out? Yeah, I think... I think the idea is to tour on this. This is like... The music already... These The the two singles that have come out... Sound great. And I would love to see them live. And they have... A lot... You know... They, they have different energy. But they are uniting that 70s... Idea, that 70s music idea. Um, funky on one side. You know... Lo-fi on the other. Melody-driven. And it's... I mean... I don't even. You can't even really classify her. Like you can ask like what genre she is, but then all my counter question would always be, what genre would that be? Like she to me, um, her closest comparison from an artistic standpoint is David Bowie it's one of her biggest influences and it shows in the music everything is up for grabs with her she just consumes and interprets she's honestly one of the, again one of the most innovative artists we have and that's kind of what she she reminds me of I don't think she uh, has the Bowie stardom a different time as well this all took place but I think she definitely uh, you know kind of works from his blueprint
0: yeah I think there's like a, a vantage point that uh, that she's playing in and that is you know kind of from him. And I think that uh, it, it it gives a certain character to her music where like, it's going to make her stand out from, you know, the other Antonov, uh collaborators. And I think there's a, a very clear vision on where she wants to go with this. Um, So I'm excited for it. And I'm excited to see the rollout because I, I, I like this idea of like, she almost gave us like an, an EP in the same way that like what we got from Drake with, you know, three singles before the album. And I think it's an interesting, you know, way to to do a release and to do a a reintroduction because I feel like it's like somewhat non-traditional. So I wonder if she's, you know, playing into some of the DSP uh, stuff there or if she is trying something of a new marketing tactic or something or if this we're going to see other artists kind of, you know, follow this, this blueprint in terms of
1: releasing. I think she's working both angles because there's been a lot put into the vinyl release of this album too, whether it's like just additional tracks that, you know, were in the studio and live versions that are only exclusive to the vinyl version. So I think what she's doing is, I mean, at the end of the day from a, from a main line, you know, to the pop audiences, vein release strategy is like, is going, is, is working the, you know, the, the D, the DSP, situation and i i think it was really smart to put these out because i think it was smart what Drake did too like if there's issues with certified lover boy which we don't know or if things that just need to be like topped up or whether it's part of some elaborate rollout like dropping the songs satiates people and if it's really good music like this too and that's what they have both in common like the it's the 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 music they dropped this year is fantastic then it's fucking awesome so i'm excited for this i'm excited for what it's going to be
0: so let's uh let's get into some other music now um let's kind of start in canada let's uh start with the new single from skyfall so we're going to go to montreal with this one he recently dropped uh his singles follow-up to his last single called Ting up two featuring nux a uk rapper so it seems like he's kind of gotten some leverage and you know Ting Turn Up re- did really well online in a lot of spaces. It, you know, obviously reached the UK. He seems to have picked up a, a label in graduation. Um, so we have some backing now and they delivered an updated version of of his first single and they added a UK rapper, which, you know, really speaks to the feeling on, on the first single. And I'm wondering, like, you know, what's kind of next for him now because I think he is... Now, his talent has been realized, his, you know, sonic connectivity to the UK has been, you know, actualized. The The new video looks great, it looks crispy. It's like a kind of a, a bigger and better version of what, what we first saw. And I think yeah, this it's really will kind of present as his introduction to people who didn't hear it the last time without, you know, changing too much of the song, you know, adding a few new elements. Uh, it gives him like another kind of launch window and a new I, album yeah i'm wondering i think that's what we'll we'll see i think that's what they're kind of gearing up for uh i wouldn't be surprised if he picked up new management or you know has kind of a new team with him backing him so i'm excited for it what did you think of of the thing turn up too which is hard to say i I enjoyed
1: it and nux is great um and it's it it sounds great and uh you know i i'm really into it and it's the i mean i like the original obviously the originals cool but this one had a little bit more flavor and it was like really good to hear i'm definitely a fan of you know what he's doing i just want more and i think it was you a while back who who told me about skyfall yeah I think when yeah. the original uh ting turn up came out
0: yeah i i was i was really excited when i heard the original i think it dropped back in i want to say maybe september or october
1: because I feel like we were at your place and then you were also showing me the No Tourists album. Uh,
0: sorry, yes. you know, videos as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think that kind of like bleeds into my next question a bit there. So we're seeing a kind of renewed sense of Sonics uh, that kind of mesh really well between the UK and uh, Canada, you know, specifically Montreal and Toronto with these two groups. How do we think, you know, this is going to improve ties? Because like this is one of the more notable... Like features that's been done recently. You know, we had no tourists premiering their video on GRM daily. Like, I'm sure uh, Skyfall will be, you know, picked up by that same crowd. I've seen it kind of get mirrored back by a lot of UK people, uh, and they're really like digging the music. And I don't know if it's going to further the kind of narrative that, like, you know, Canada is boring from the UK too much, but I think people are kind of starting to realize like the similar roots and where the music kind of creation is tied in. You know, it it takes me back to our conversation with Nick Nick Tyrell.
1: Yeah, I was thinking a lot about that when we were just like thinking about this album.
0: Yeah, and so I'm I'm wondering too, like, you know, what, if this is going to kind of be a new avenue for Canadian artists who who are playing in that realm. You know, we had like Trey Mission for the longest time who's been a pioneer of, you know, going to the UK and and making a name for himself. So I think we're going to see skyfall and and no tourists kind of follow that that um blueprint and start to kind of gain more listenership and you know just kind of make their audience a bit more international
1: yeah i mean and i think it's because while obviously like our hip-hop artists are influenced by american style hip-hop and this is one thing that we were talking about in the whole nicholas terrell thing like we have ties in terms of you know influences abroad which is more like the uk hip-hop scene i mean the u.s is a melting pot and that goes for rap as well the uk you hear those influences from jamaica and ghana and nigeria like you hear it it's very evident in the music it's not kind of bred out of it like they don't they don't breed it out of the music and i think those ties are a bit of a uniting factor between us you know so the climate in the ears are always there but as more canadians channel those influences i think those connections will grow i mean at the end of the day like the u.s whether it for their it's a nationalistic thing always with them even in hip-hop where there is a it's it's more focused on what they're doing and thoughts that and their whole thing where like those jamaican and african influences are in the dna of it but it's not kind of unabashed it doesn't represent itself in just like the beat timings aesthetics or anything like that so i think Canada and the UK are more in touch with their roots and I think that is kind of a uniting factor and why like no tourists or you know Skyfall can go could go there and be successful because it's not really a dissimilar way of interpreting influences.
0: Yeah agreed agreed I'd I'd really love to hear Skyfall with like a back row G or like you know on a a track with like uh, Pasalou
1: yeah Yeah, pasalou or like um heady one would be cool too like you know what i mean like uh, i think there's 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 a there's a bunch of artists that they would sound sorry that uh skyfall would sound really great with yeah and I,
0: i think like you know we're seeing somewhat of a a more international scene developing in montreal that i think in some ways kind of rivals toronto's or is you know a bit uh wider than toronto's you know with Kate Trinata, you know act like Nate Husser uh Clairell, uh Shalia like I'm seeing a lot more connectivity that's going yeah Nate Husser's um, great to Europe yeah Nate Husser's awesome but like just the connectivity is going a bit more forward to Europe where I think Toronto is still kind of in this uh very American leaning in terms of its you know collaborations but also in terms of the the
1: looks and the press that you know a lot of artists are are leaning towards here. I think that's fair. There's also kind of a relationship between Toronto and Montreal when it comes to muse to music. Like even if you look at the like the Canadian indie boom in the early two thousands, you know it was both of those cities it was toronto and montreal you know toronto bringing out broken social scene and then montreal i believe is like stars and arcade fire you know so like they're always have it's happening at the same time and that's that's what you want because them competing against each other and like the subtle competition will always make for things that are better so like there's really cool stuff coming out of montreal right now and as evidenced from this podcast and continuing to talk about this podcast there's really cool stuff coming out of toronto so but Toronto has always existed as more, like, I what would, I would say is poppy, you know what I mean? Like, it would exist more, like, it would be the pop sensibility, whereas, you know, I find a lot of artists from Montreal are leaned more towards, you know, like, artistic flourishes, if you will, or, uh, ex- or I- international influence. Uh, you know what I mean? Especially because like with hip hop there, like you have a big Haitian community there too. And that sound yeah. kind of comes into it. And, and, and you know, there's an, an Ivory coast community as well there. So like that gets into yeah, Congolese, it.
0: Congolese. There's, yeah, yeah, exactly. there's a lot, a lot going on there. Uh, and I wonder too, if that speaks a little bit to like
1: the formation of the
0: cities and like, you know, Toronto's kind of Protestant work ethic and, and very corporatized culture. Here, Whereas, you know, there's a lot more artistic flourishes in Montreal and uh, much more of a dance scene and, you know, a a more uh, like a a more respected nightclub tradition and scene there. Like, you know, it's always kind of been a bit more European based and and the aesthetics in the city are a little bit different than than they are in Toronto.
1: And I think Montreal and Quebec in general supports their artists. Like, that's, that, that, yeah, that's, that's a really big thing. We see it in the movie, uh, in in films. We see that a lot. Yeah. And I, I believe in music, too. But also, Toronto's there, too. The only problem is, uh, uh, Toronto takes a little bit to get excited. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it I needs think to be. That's, yeah. You, it's almost like they're like almost. Toronto's almost like a parent. You know, there's the people who are in the know, but it needs a little, you know, to see a little action before it starts getting excited and really kind of like investing. Emotionally, in 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 artists and stuff like that, I think I think you even see that in like the can you know can rock in the nineties, you know, or hip hop, you know. what I mean, oh, definitely, definitely. So I
0: think like you know, going from Skyfall, you know, on Tinker Turn Up Two, he's featured with Nux, who also appears on the next album I want to talk about. Yeah, that's a um, that's a segue talking about that is a fucking segue. Like South it. South London's finest. Uh, the rapper DC, uh, he just dropped a new project called In the In the Loop. He's been around since about you know 2015. This is his third project album, whatever you want to call it. What do you What do you think of this project here?
1: Loved it. Really, really, really liked it. This was a pretty chill album that really kind of got me into good headspace when I was listening to it. Threw it on, fired one up kind of fell back into it right from the first track. Like, I'm a sucker for those, like, shimmering road-style piano that pops, you know, at various times in this. And uh, Receipts just had me right away. Just one well-timed and chosen feature with Nux on uh, Bobby and Rowdy that I thought was amazing, Uh, you know, which I think is probably the dopest track on the album, which has 10 magnificent tracks. This is... Like, this is a reason why I'm always like, don't put tons of tracks on an album. And we're going to get into the, you know, the individual tracks on the, you know, some of the tracks on this. But I wanted more the whole time, right? This is really one of the early surprise albums for me this year in that I didn't expect a long-term relationship, but I think we have an album that could potentially be brought up at the 2021 album draft.
0: Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you on that. Like, uh, I actually got into DC, I believe it was around this time last year or whenever this track Neighborhood came out, he put that out. It had an, an amazing video and it really just like stuck with me throughout the year. And I was kind of like hoping he would put something out and, you know, almost a year later we get a full album from him. I thought this out project was perfect, you know, perfect length of time, a uh, really good vibe on it. He is really speaking from, you know, the heart. Um, I like the way he's kind of talking about p- with paranoia and, you know, growing up and, you know, he's just kind of a very self-aware rapper. And I really enjoyed the sound he's coming with. It's not quite like a lot of what we've talked about out of the UK. It So for me, I think it's like a little bit hard to compare it to to anything else. I've got to get more into Nux because I think, you know, he's a name that has been floating around for a long time. I always got him confused with this. There was this rap rock Pop group called the Nux uh, a while ago in the early 2000s, and I always just like made that comparison, and so I kind of didn't click. It was
1: upsetting. Yep.
0: Yes, and I was missing out because like I, I listened to Ting Turn Up too, really loved it, and then from there got into his feature on Bobby and Rowdy, and I thought that was just fantastic. So I'm gonna go dig into him a little it's bit such more. Such a killer after track, after Bobby and Rowdy.
1: It's so killer. Yeah,
0: like I I thought it was it was perfect in the video. You know, it was a really nice accompanying uh, accompaniment to it as well.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing is you're missing kind of the grime influence in this album. You know what I mean? Like you can hear little bits of elements, of, like it's really more atmospheric and chilled out. Like it's a very laid back album. It doesn't get it lacks some of the edge I think in a good way of the of his London contemporaries where like a lot of it is about and I think obviously, you know, DC is doing this as well, but like when you're talking about, you know, social political problems in council estates and growing up in a in in a rapidly gentrifying city like London, then you know, there's going to be some edge to it. And, and and this is just yeah, it's more soulful. It's more from the heart. Not more from the heart, but you know what I mean. Like it's a little bit more it's laid back. I enjoy it. You can get it could take you yeah. somewhere. You can throw the headphones
0: on this and enjoy this. For sure. And I think this that this is like an album that I will be doing that with for, for some time, I think. Like it's I would probably even like this this record on vinyl, I think. This is like an album that I'd really like to, you know, chill to and you know, enjoy some of this gorgeous weather we're having to. It's definitely like a, an album I'm gonna be taking with me throughout throughout the year.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if this is the like not that the music is the same. This is the uh you know, take them to coventry for this year for me yeah it could yeah it could very well be so let's talk about what tracks like what or send them to Coventry. what tracks uh stood out for you on this uh receipts god how god's house i really love that track uh bobby and rowdy honestly that like i love the I, I honestly love the whole thing and this is again this is why i'm always advocating for shorter albums because i wish this was longer like i i'll take two more tracks i'm like give me another two tracks you know and now i'm chomping at the bit for the next taste so like this is why you do it it was just so good, and again, "Receipts" to the opening track. I'm always a sucker for the opening track; just sucked me in right away. But it also, you know, kind of closes strong. "God's House" kind of, you know, really solidifies the spine of the second half of that album. And like, this was really fucking good.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoyed like the the little bit of skits on it, like uh, the London Underground. Again, Neighborhood, still my favorite song of the last like two or three years. It's, it's fantastic. Like, always stuck with me. Bobby and Rowdy is a new favorite of mine. Really, really like that one. And I think Tear, Sweat and Blood will probably be my third favorite on this album. But again, I'm going to be listening to this whole thing for a while. And I think this is a fantastic album. I hope this, you know, kind of elevates him, takes him to the next level. I know he's you know already signed, working with EMI Records in the UK on Universal do you think that we'll see some U.S. fandom or some crossover action happening from him? It seems like he's not really geared that way, but I, I can't really get a full sense of it. What do you think?
1: I don't think the wider American music public is ready to fully embrace UK hip hop. Like we haven't seen an artist, we haven't seen the artist yet, but I theorize that we won't really see it coming. Something will just start. It starts catching feels in people, and it'll happen, and then, you know, a flood, maybe a floodgate. I don't know. My question, I also don't want it to, like, be a novelty to them. You know what I mean? My question is, can this album reach the suburbs for that? You know what I mean? Because ultimately, that is what you have to do for real cultural penetration in the U.S. Is you can't just be cool hip-hop heads in New York who are listening to it, or, you know, people who are part of you know, who are influenced by music that has more world influences, like coming from Jamaica and um, like in Africa, like, cause even in hip again, even in hip hop, there's nationalism, like not storm the capital nationalism, but uh, not into British dudes, rapping nationalism.
0: Yeah. Like I, I think, I think with this, that this is perfect. A perfect album that will come on in a playlist, and I think people will be intrigued at, at what it is and, and who's rapping. And anyone I've shown from the states uh, neighborhood has really, really
1: liked it and really like got into it. Yeah, you gotta almost like hide their medicine in food, like they're a pet, because like you, you just slip it into a playlist and it just comes on. It's like, well, what the hell is this? It's like, well, this is this British rapper DC. Like, well, I didn't really like any British rappers. Well. That's fucking changing. And hopefully that opens this massive fucking floodgate. Hopefully that happens because it's, it's like this is really good. And that's one thing in learning more about UK hip hop and listening to it is that like my first reaction was like, this, again, this is Mary and sounding shit. And then all of a sudden I'm like, this is really good. These people are rapping like crazy. Like the lines, like bar for bar, these, you know, the UK rappers are bringing it. And I would say that they can easily rival their American counterparts currently, especially like from, from a technical standpoint.
0: Yeah. I think with, with DC that his stuff will catch on. I don't know. I think there might be a ceiling on him and I'm, that's not, you know, in a negative way. And, Cause I think his music's amazing, but I think he will have to dig a little bit deeper or give us something a little bit more eye-catching and, and more, uh, shiny, I think. And that will be the one that maybe catches on American soil. Though so I don't know, because I think that he's making really good music, and I think people's ears are a little bit more open now to uh, to other styles. And I really hope that, like you know, this kind of gets him on more people's radar because I really think he deserves to be there.
1: And just to uh, to to close it with, I think that is something that's good about DSPs because. If you're like okay, who's this guy? Like you hear it on a playlist or whatever. You can just go in and listen and experiment and figure out what you like and and expose yourself to new people. This is kind of why I did enjoy uh and don't okay boomer me. Uh when Napster came out when I was young when I was young because like I was always buying albums. But like for me it was a way to kind of discover new people and and, you know that I had heard of without having to like shell out money for an album and if I like the album I go get it and the DSPs you know have introduced me to UK hip-hop so I know their business model sucks sometimes but there's some there is some good to come out of them
0: yeah and I think you know the guys who started Napster like Sean they had a vision for you know what it was and and really like the DSPs just picked up on, on that model so I think there's you know inherent flaws with it of course and, you know, artists should be getting paid more. But I think a lot of that kind of lies, the blame lies at the feet of the record labels and uh, consumers as well. So 100%. I think, like, you know, things like Bandcamp are great and, you know, paying for merch and doing all these things because that's where the money unfortunately, is going to be made because it's hard to put a lot of value in music because people are consume it so rapidly and there's so much out there, you know, six, 60,000 songs added a day to the DSPs. And it's hard, like you know, how do you price it? Like, what are people comfortable paying with? You know, Spotify has their their free option, and there's something nice about you know paying that ten dollars a month and being able to pull up you know almost any song you want at any time, and you know, playlisting it or playing it for friends or sh- or sharing it. And I think that ability isn't going to go anywhere anytime soon, even as uh, we realize you know artists are getting the short end of the stick there a little bit. Absolutely. So let's get into head back to our home city before we kind of wrap things up here, and uh, let's talk about Claremont the second. He recently dropped a, an EP, I may call it, or three singles. I don't know what people are calling things. Yeah, these what days. are you? What is the? Yeah, um, everyone's
1: like, this is a mixtape. This is a fucking concept mixtape. This is a fucking playlist. I yeah, have no idea a, anymore. Playlist,
0: like I don't know. There's yeah. all types of different names. Um, some artists want things called different things. I just call stuff projects, I think, these days, and it kind of is all encompassing for me.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's I Maybe. think that's a good vernacular. I like that.
0: Yeah. Like this is this is, you know, a Claremont three pack. Uh it's follow it's a follow up to his uh his brilliant 2020 album, It's Not How It Sounds, which, you know, I think was very slept on by most people. We will see what happens with the Polaris Prize this year. I think like, he's just um, slept on. Like, period. I, to be honest with you, like Claremont. II I, second. I, I like, would agree. I think, like I think, he, there needs to be a lot more talk about him. He's good. And like I he's think good. That if,
1: like he's fucking really he's, good.
0: He's like better than good. He's he's amazing. He's putting out really high level bodies of work. You know, self produced, self directed. You know, with with assistance, You know, writing all this stuff. He is just a creative powerhouse. And you know still very young i believe he's like 22 maybe if that or 23 and i think that you know if he existed in another city you know specifically i'll say t- chicago because i think there's a lot of sonic ties with what he's doing and and you know the music that i'm seeing from that city in particular mm-hmm. but i think if he was coming out of another city there would be a lot more hype and belief in him and i don't know if if, you know canada or toronto or the media institutions are really picking up on his
1: genius so for you you feel like it is a matter of just a lack of support with him
0: i think i think there's a a lack of institutional support for him and i think we'll get into that in a second let me let's quickly ask you what you thought about the three songs what do you think you know is did one stand out for you yeah no
1: you don't is such a sick track it's really good. I mean, yeah. like I liked all three. I generally like I generally amazing. think he's one of the best rappers from Toronto. Like I I try- I think I would I would be in agreement. Uh, yeah. Like uh, I'm I'm thinking about how much like I'm not saying Tory Lanez is from Toronto or a rapper, but like what if we just switched the attention that was on him and put it on Claremont the 2nd, even though it's not really You know what I mean? I'm, like I'm 100% here for that. Yeah, yeah. like there's really like I and it, what was funny was is I feel like I was out of touch with how underappreciated he was because I've like lived in this little bubble where I'm just listening to Claremont the second all the time, so I wasn't even I'm like no one's fucking banging this at all. This guy's not getting nominated for Junos like it's ridiculous.
0: Like I mean, yeah, it, it, the, I think that's what I wanted to touch on next. Yeah, yeah, like Sorry, there's really.
1: Yeah, there's really like atmosp- atmospheric keyboard parts on this that are really cool. His bars are fucking sick. He's just I don't know. He's good. His flow is good.
0: Yeah, like he's he's just really just doing things and competing at a high level. But yeah, let's get into let's get into the Juno stuff a little bit there because how in the world did it's not how it sounds not get nominated in
1: the rap category? Well, you know my thoughts on awards, but yeah, yeah, like I, I don't. Like I really think he's one of our best rappers again. These three songs are great. It's really good stuff. This was actually a dope podcast to get ready for, as I you know, as I've said, because all the stuff we got to listen to is really good. And if it's a Juno he's looking for, it's probably not the most politically expedient situation to say this. But I, like I really, you know, from an artistic standpoint, like he shouldn't care because i mean one thing that you pointed out yeah. when we were talking about the grammys was just like you know i'm like fuck the grammys but i'm also not in a label investing money who would like and, and 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 you know when a grammy increases you know just the business opportunities for for artists and i like i think with the juno you know from that situation for people especially now that he has a label where it like that he's represented like that that may that may be an important thing but like artistically I don't really think he can be denied and I just my issue is that I, I just wish more people thought that
0: yeah like I mean just looking at the Juno noms this year between like all the artists nominated there's like this kind of goofy uh duo like from Vancouver you know 88 uh whatever they're called is um sorry i'm forgetting the name right now
1: i can't remember nabs there
0: yeah i mean there's like just there's a few artists there and i think that there's very very clear clearly that you know claremont deserves a a spot there and i remember him tweeting you know something like he didn't remember if he even submitted like he had, had to double check if he submitted and i don't think that you can compare those bodies of work and say that, you know, he's not worthy of some kind of recognition. His last time he got nominated was 2018 when he was on Black Box uh, Records. I think that was with uh, 20 uh, Quest for Milk and Honey. So I'm wondering, like, you know, is there something like not being done for independent artists to get nominated? Like, I think, you know, when we're going to look back in 10 years and 20 years on the defining Canadian rap albums, You know, the defining Toronto rap albums, like Claremont's gonna have a lot of projects on there, and I think that he's being done a disservice to not be recognized for that.
1: Yeah, I mean I think part of it is not supporting independent artists. I think that is just like a base note for the city in general. And then I mean, going back to the I mean, going back to the but going back to the, you know, the whole Terrell Morris interview. Where he was talking about a lack of spaces, I think that's another thing, but that's more of a like across the board type situation as well. I think this is a case of people not getting it and just uh overlooking it, not having the taste. Like, I don't, you know, I like for me, I I, like what I want to know is like what is the end game for him because it would be shitty if he stopped making music because you know, like because it just wasn't something that he could build a life on you know what i mean or you know releasing music as as his primary job because like at some point if you're not getting the recognition and then you're not getting the financial stuff it's like well what do you do from there you know what i mean but then again he's pretty punk rock about these things like he just kind of does his shit that's it there's an o tour element as well
0: yeah like I, I think like he he loves music and he's you know kind of made that clear that's something he wants to do i think you know at some point he is going to find a situation, either like a label or publishing or something that maybe fits him. Like I know he's a very proud independent artist. And I think that, you know, is part of who he is, but I think that there's going to be something that comes, that's going to elevate him, you know, out of this. And, you know, Toronto is going to be in maybe like the Junos as a whole or Canada as a whole is going to be, you know, quick to claim him and quick to, you know, big, uh big themselves up for his, you know, perceived success or his success. Um, And I think by that point, it's going to be too late because I think you can't keep making music like he's, he's making and, you know, not be mentioned in conversations uh, elsewhere in the world. So I think, you know, he's going to get out there, you know, somehow, some way. And I think we're just going to be behind the ball in Canada. And I think the Junos are going to be behind the ball, but, you know, I like that we have other outlets, you know, the prison prize exists. There's, you know, other, Uh, ways for music to get recognized and I think that he should be you know uh, in those kind of categories and he has been before so I think that's that's where we're going to see him I would love for you know these institutions in Canada to kind of wake up like he does get you know some he gets coverage like he's being talked about but I think that or how much he's doing and and how good that he is i don't think that it's all the way there yet
1: i think it's one of these freddie gibbs situations to be honest
0: yeah i think that's a that's a good comparison
1: you know what i mean where he spends a decade in obscurity almost and then all of a sudden like we're talking about his next he's getting nominated for grammys we're talking about like the crazy producers he's going to have on the next album. He's going to have like Alchemist and Mad Lib. And I think he was saying like Swiss beats and just, you know, just a bunch of different, I think Pharrell as well, uh, is going to be producing. Cause I, I think, uh, the complex article was saying that, uh, he was just getting out of a session with Pharrell. Like you don't work with these, all these people unless you have talent and, um, I really, 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 really think that Claremont II is going to be in the same boat. I, I think there's only so long you can be denied when when you're at his level. Like He's legitimately a really, really good rapper, and his music is really good. And I think at some point that's going to be recognized. It's just you hope that he's still full steam ahead in the industry But it sounds like he he will be because it's fair like already like the resilience is without question.
0: For sure. And I think, uh, you know, that's that's a good note to kind of wrap things up on. Uh, Again, you know, prayers up for DMX. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me.
1: No, not a problem. Always a pleasure. And I I hope we are not pouring out one out for DMX. I hope we're going to be talking about more music uh, in the years to come. But, you know, hoping it works out.
0: For sure, for sure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Look forward to talking to you again soon.